Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We're in a series here. Um, This is our third volume in the book of Ephesians. Um, And this uh, series is titled Rags to Riches. Rags to Riches. And today I want to talk to you about you and God's great plan. Um, While you're getting ready, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Get your Bible app on your phone to do that. Um, if you want, while you're doing that, I want you to think about something. I was thinking about this. There once was a woman in the gospel of Luke who poured costly perfume on the head and feet of Jesus. Remember that? Remember that? Did she do that because she felt obligated to fulfill the law, the great commandment? You must worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Was her motivation out of the obligation from that commandment, or did it originate from something else? In other words, did the love that she showed come from a commandment, an obligation, or a revelation? I think it came from a revelation. What I hope happens to you and to me as we go through these messages is, There will be something even more impacting than what we know we should do and what we know we ought to be that reveals something and motivates something and quickens something deep down in our soul that we have to be. We just have to be out of love, not obligation. Um, Here's the reason why I'm preaching these series from Ephesians. Well, if you get to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, you'll find that in the metaphor of the body of Christ, it says that Jesus has given gifts to every real believer in his church, in the whole wide world, and that the gifts within the church, every believer is gifted. We are to build up the church through the giftedness of each one of us. But within the body, there are gifts of the church, and then there are gifts to the church. And the gifts to the church are what is known in popular uh, terminology as the fourfold or fivefold ministers apostle, prophet. Ever heard that? It's in the Bible. Evangelist, a prophet, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Some say five-fold, I say four-fold, because pastor-teacher is the Greek. There isn't pastor and teacher. Pastors, pastor through teaching the word. So, why am I doing Ephesians? Because in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the gifted leaders are to minister in such a way that the people mature in their giftedness, and through their giftedness, they build up naturally the body of Christ. So, it goes like this. There's a passage that says that God gives some for the equipping of the holy ones or saints 
for the work of service for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. Here's how it says it in the Greek. Pros for ho kartotismos, the equipping. For the equipping, ho hagias, the holy ones. The ones that are holy because of the blood and God is making holy through the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Pros ho kartismos, ho hogios, for the equipping of the holy ones, ace ergon, the work. Equipping the holy ones for the work. What kind of work? Diakonia. Diakonia. It means of service. For the servant work. The servant work. Diakonia is the same word that we get the root word deacon. So, you know, in our, in our culture, in our idea, there is the pastor, the preacher, and then the deacons or a couple guys or four guys that mow the grass, uh, do the other stuff, do the, but the whole church in the eyes of God is to do the work of the diakonos. There are leader diakonoses and then everybody else is a diakonos and the role of the pastor teacher and the other fourfold minister uh, idea is to do what they do in such a way that the holy ones are strengthened to do the work of diakonos. And when that happens, ice oikodome happens. The building up, hosoma, the body, ho Christos, of Christ. The role that I have from God is to feed the flock. There's an imagery. Sheep eat. Equipping, katatismos, it's an interesting word. That word means to mend. It's the same word used when Jesus called Peter, James, and John, who were along the shore, and they were kartatismos, they were mending their nets. And he says, you come with me, and I'm going to teach you to catch people. Right. So, kartatismos means that a pastor teacher preaches the word in such a way that God can work to mend, repair, adjust, and frame the body of Christ of which they are sent to equip. And Paul said, if we do it as wise master builders, wise craftsmen, how do you wisely craft and equip a church? How do you do it? Well, you focus on the metaphors. Future preachers, future pastors, you focus on the metaphors, which are real. The body of Christ is the church. The flock of God is the church. The family of God is the church, right? The temple, the house of God is the church. Paul said that. Don't you know that you are the temple, the house of God, and the spirit of God lives in you corporately and individually? Yeah. And bride is the church. And army, put on the whole armor of God. Fight the fight, right? 
The whole, not the sum, the whole, all of us. So, the way God the Holy Spirit measures maturity in each church is not based on how many seats are filled. It's based on how many people who are filling the seat are fulfilling their calling as a gifted hagios within the body, the flock, the family, the house, the bride, and the army. So here's the thing. You can truly measure the maturity of every person in the church by lining every individual person up along the framework of the metaphors. In other words, if I am growing in Christ, then I can clearly measure whether I am enriching the body with my gift of serving. If I am really maturing in Christ, I can line my life up within the family and I can look at myself and spiritual leadership of the church, if they see your name, should be able to know, yeah, this person is, I see them. They are caring for spiritual fathers and mothers because that's what families do, right? Wait a minute, is that what families do? They care for their brothers and sisters. I mean, they really do. They care for their brothers and their sisters, don't they? Is it just grandma that does? Is it grandpa? Is it only mom? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, <laughs> in light of, in comparison to everybody else, but you know, we're all supposed to come along, aren't we? Yeah, a, that's a yeah, that answer, unless you're one, that's a yeah, that's a yeah. Uh, uh, we, can, we can name a name, name a name and go, hey, that person's maturing, how do you know? Because you know what, they, they are building, they are keeping the foundation of this house of God strong and they are, they are serving it in such a way that we're gonna have a lasting legacy into the future. You can measure that. You can name a name in our church and you can, go, you can or, or we can just conceptually go, well, they're there all the time. Again, we can church it the way we church it traditionally or we can do it the way Ephesians says. Why am I in Ephesians? That's why. Because we measure maturity of a church not by how many are sitting in a seat, but how many souls are being changed from those who are sitting in a seat. It's not how many seats are filled. It's why are there people not coming into this environment of one of the most awesome things going on every Sunday morning within how many miles? And on we go. So my pastoral investment, which I made a long time ago in a commitment and still will and still do, is to preach the word of God in such a way that the Holy Spirit can mend you, help you, shape you, make you so that you can see that you have a role to play in every metaphor and your maturity will be measured by God on your contribution of serving, servanthood, diakonos, into this family of believers. I mean, that is, that is, you can't exegete the big picture of the church better than that. So why am I doing Ephesians? For that reason. People ask me, do you think Jesus is coming back soon? 
Well, the president said we're on the brink of Armageddon, perhaps. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, did you hear that? I'm not saying we're not, and Jesus can come back tomorrow. But you know what I've never found in the history of studying the history of church? Never. I've found it. If you know where it is, show me. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, and we're not there yet, and I'll tell you, when we get to Ephesians 4, you're going to wonder if we ever come out of it. But in Ephesians 4, it says that he wants to do what I just said until we all are moving rhythmically, not just our church, all moving rhythmically, and we've grown up to the full stature of Christ. I believe that although the Reformation and the 95 Thesis were put on the Wittenberg door over, oh my, I was going to say 500 years ago, but longer than that. In the eyes of God, the church has matured about an inch. And if he's passionate about that, you think he's going to come rapture this kindergarten age church that hasn't, except for specific speakers and musicians and celebrities and five-star general evangelists and missionaries that we've legendary, we've made legendary, but where are the legends of churches where the pews are changing the city? It hasn't happened yet. And Jesus is coming tomorrow? Now, someone might say, oh, you're not supposed to, aren't you supposed to be living in a, well, here's what I say, aren't we supposed to be doing that? Just a thought. That's, that's just a thought. And 13, 14 minutes in, I haven't touched Ephesians 2 yet. <laughs> but that right there, that right there deserves a hearing. So, in Ephesians today, I want to begin to scratch the surface because that's about all you can really do. Who you are in God's great plan and how should we live? Ephesians chapter two, verse number one starts like this. Paul says to all of us, all through the ages, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons and daughters of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in, in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. All of us were that. I will call that the rags. I don't call people rags. I would call that description what I mean by rags. This series is rags to riches. The rags are described right there. But then I love this next verse, but God. Oh, gosh. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our transgressions made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ready? So that, so that in the ages to come, here's what God wants to do. He might show the surpassing riches. See, we describe rags. We get to verse four. We see riches. That he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. He is trying to, not trying because God doesn't have to try. He is creating diakonos in the hagios. Diakonos in the hagios. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would, what? Do the metaphors in our church. Do the metaphors in our church and in the world among those who are in the rags. Lord, we ask you to help us today. We ask that the Holy Spirit would just do your marvelous work through the preaching of your word by the grace of God in Jesus' name, amen. We just looked at a 30,000 feet level view of God's plan for me and for you, for those who are in the riches, for those who, who are, are yet to be in the riches. Wouldn't it be something if somebody came into the riches of God simply because of your walk of faith? Wouldn't that be something? This we've just seen shows us at a 30,000 foot level how we should live then. And I would summarize it like this. We should live loved by the Father because we are. We just read it. We should live loved by the Father. In other words, we should just live in the love of the Father for us. Second, we should live loaded with kindness because it's there. He wants to show to all of us in every age the, the riches of his kindness toward us. It's not like it's out there and he's like, Come a little closer. Come on. Jump. Jump. Come on. Come on. Come on up. No. And he keeps moving back when you try. No, no. He's coming our, he come, he's coming our way. He's coming our way. We should live because we are lifted in giftedness. It says he raised us up to sit beside him. What? Lifted in giftedness. Every person that you're seated next to, if they're in Christ, they are gifted in the grace, in the Holy Spirit, their personality, their uniqueness, their design, the way they would serve God. You're sitting next to someone that has potential beyond what they even can grasp, what I could even grasp. Everyone in this place. It's not that the guy on the stage has the big Jesus and you have the little Jesus. There is no such thing as the little Jesus. There's only one Jesus. And the devil is scared to death for the church to flip it 
and quit waiting on individuals to show up at all the things to do for God, what he's waiting on the whole body to do for God. The devil is terrified of that light going off over your head. Terrified. You have the big Jesus. And Jesus wants to do more, and I don't mean that you're like this. He wants to do more than study his Bible and go sit in a thing we call church. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. I'm sorry, but at the end of chapter one, Paul says the church is the fullness of him, his body, it's real. And the devil wants you to go, no, 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 no. Just, just underline that passage. Just underline it. Put it on a bumper sticker. Just look at it on your fridge. Don't do it. No, 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 no. No, don't, don't go there. Don't get all weird. You're just Louis. You're Louis the lifted and the gifted. And he does all that to lead us into good works in other words, we pay it forward to others. We pay it forward to others in the church, the, around you. That's your brother, that's your sister, that's your mama, that's your daddy in the spirit. Around you, you and you and you. The person next to you is your real spiritual brother, your real spirit, spiritual sister. We were in rags and God did this for us. One guy said, I haven't really gotten excited about the second com coming of Christ yet because I've not been able to get over the first one. <laughs> what are the rags? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, by the way of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience and among them we too. Do you remember? Do you remember? I remember and I wanna forget. There's a reason I wanna forget, but I don't wanna forget in the way that I forget where God brought me from. I just wanna forget what I'm ashamed of remembering. He brought me out of rags. The reason why people live in the rags, let's go to the next slide, I'll call it this way, because of the ins and the ofs. The rags are about the ins and the ofs. Look what it says. Um, we're going we're gonna to see why. We're, this is why. It's the 30,000 foot explanation of why uh, there's so much brokenness, why that there's so much fragmentation, even in gifted and talented and very brilliant people, uh, why there's fragmented living, why there's deception and delusion, deception, delusion, why there is conceited, uh, all this stuff, um, why there are hidden sorrows behind every face, why there is the pain that nobody knows behind every face. This is why. This is the 30,000 foot level. It's about the ins and the ofs. It's about the rags. And even if you're a believer, it, the residue of the rags can still affect us, right? They can still affect us. Lydia, how many people come to celebrate recovery that are Christians, right? Because the, the residue of the rags can still have a hook on life. 
the pain nobody knows, the fears, the failures that you don't want to show and you don't want to share. I got a few of those myself. Why do we all know what that is? Because we've all been in the ins because of the ofs. In verse 1 and 2, focus on the word in, in verse 1 and 2. Dead in, dead in your trespasses and your sins. The word trespass is the word paraptoma. It means to fall beside. It means to lapse. It means there's a way and you go to get in that way and you just fall beside it. You, you don't walk in it. You just fall. It's, we are dead in our trespasses and then sins. The, the word harmatia is the is the, is the umbrella word over all the other sin words. Harmatia is the general collective word for missing the mark. Everybody in the world, apart from being in Christ, misses the mark. And if you miss the mark an inch, you might as well miss it 10,000 light years. Because if you go to jump across the Grand Canyon and the goal is to land on the other side, no one gets an award for, you only missed it by about four inches. You're, he, you're as dead as the guy that fell straight from the front. Yeah. Right? Did you see that funny reel on Instagram where the guy goes to fish and he just falls right in? I'll have, I'll have to send it out there and show you. <laughs> harmatia. All have harmatiaed and fall short. All of the glory of God. Every preacher, every priest, every deacon, every somebody, every you buddy, that buddy, everybody. We were in the ends. The rags and the residue of the rags is because of the ends. And when you're dead in all that, there's no Holy Spirit life. There's no God. There's no guidance from heaven. Working in the spirit of the devil, isn't that offensive? That's what it says in Ephesians 2. The, spirit, the same spirit in Satan is in the sons and children of disobedience, working in. If you say working around, that's not as offensive. Well, I just got weaknesses. No, it says in. Because of the ofs. Let's look at the ofs. The dead follow the ofs. Here's an of. The course of this world. Not the earth, but the no God allowed. I'm God. Everything else can be God except God. And every other God can be God except God and Jesus. The course of this godless system. We all followed it to some degree. We didn't get up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm just going to follow Satan today. That's what I'm going to do, by golly. I'm going to give it my best effort. We don't think that way because we're under the spell. We don't even know. We don't even know. The ofs, the prince of the power of the air, the lusts of the sin nature, the desires of the mind that isn't the mind of Christ. And it's like the spirit prince, and this is working in, and because of this, listen to rags, here's what it says. It says, because of this, we are children of wrath. That means hell is already attacking. Hell is already beating us down. You know when, I'll just say this, when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, if you have anger against your brother or you have, you're not reconciled, 
or you call somebody an idiot, you're in danger of the fires of hell. I do believe that means if you're, you're living that way, you're going to end there in eternity. But I think the fires of hell is, is, is also the enemy has liberty when we're not walking in the love of God to beat the living Gehenna out of people's brains and souls. Hell. It says you can speak out of your mouth and set a course of hell in front of your life. Wrath is just that. There's wrath on the world. It's not because God's against the world. People are just breaking, 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 living after the course of this maniacal prince they don't even believe in. And hell is everywhere. Wrath is everywhere. It's the breakdown system. It's the rags. Because of the ins and the ofs. Paul describes it later in that chapter, people living without hope and without God in the world. And you know, there are some people that are partying like it's 1999. Isn't that true? I was one of those guys for a while. Until I wasn't. And I'm so thankful for godly aunts and grandmas that prayed for my knees to buckle at the foot of the cross. I'm glad for a dad who didn't know a whole lot of Bible verses, but when I told him I wasn't going to church, kindly grabbed my ankles, pulled my little self off the bed till my butt hit the floor, and he said, oh yes you are. He'd probably be arrested today. And that morning, on the way, I said, I'm not gonna sing. I'm not going to stand, and I didn't. Oh, I was something. <laughs> and at the end of that service, there was a song that it wasn't cool. It was some old 1643,000 song. And it said, there's room at the cross for you. And the Holy Spirit of God grabbed a hold of this snarky, wise guy, mouthy kid and melted me down and broke my knees at the altar of God. There are other people that need the gospel because they're hurting so deeply and they don't know a cure. There are other people who are living in torment and addiction and that addiction won't budge no matter what they do, no matter how much money they give, no matter how many good efforts they make and how many promises, that thing won't budge because it's a spirit. Paul describes other kind of sinners in Romans 5. He uses the word asabia. He says, while we were asabia, Christ died for the ungodly. The asabia word, under the umbrella word harmatea, which is everybody, the falling shorts, all of us, is the word asabia, which not only means you're sinning, but you want to. Not only that you want to, but you're anti-volatile toward God. And it says that God demonstrates his love for us. That while we were a sabia, he died for. John Stott says it this way. Trespasses speak of a man as a rebel. Sin speaks of a man as a failure. Before God, we are all rebels and failures. We are in the rags. And Mule says... 
The converts should constantly be reminded what they have been delivered from as well as what they have been lifted into. They must be led to look down again into the pit, into the grave from which grace called them out and set them free. Come on, somebody. So what am I doing? I am giving you the reason why you owe him everything. Not a tip, everything. Not a little bit, all a bit. All of us do, all of us do. Hagios is for everybody. When Paul uses the word Hagios, and my friend Brad over here just got back from Turkey where the church of Ephesus was, him and his beautiful wife, they were there. We were talking about it. The word Hagios in the days of Paul, when you said the word Hagios, holy ones, in the, uh, in the Ephesian mind, they were thinking of those prostitutes who went to the temple of Delphi and the temple of Diana and asked the, the spirit of that to, to possess them. Paul uses that word and says Hagios in Christ, meaning you're possessed by the king, by heaven's purity, and by the power that raised him from the dead. You're the real Hagios. That means your whole life, like the song said. Man, we're good at singing the song. Felt like Chris Rock said, we're good at singing the song. We're good at it, aren't we? All to Jesus I surrender. Well, all those songs, man, a little tear, we get a little ripple in our voice, get our hands shaking. Maybe even say some word, what's the, what's the, the song service needs to take us into the service. People say that was a good service today. We didn't serve today, we sat today. Oh, that was a good service. We didn't serve today. We sat. Serving is what we do after this. Or what people do during this. People that are in there going, I hope he's finished. We got 433 little kids in here. That's, that's who's serving today. Those who are really serving today are up there. And they're only noticed if I say they messed up. That's the only time we notice them. The ones that are serving today are downstairs right now going, has he done yet? Right. That's who's serving today. We're sitting. Nothing wrong with sitting. But sitting is not the goal. There is no metaphor called audience in the book of Ephesians. None. No metaphor. Right. There's no metaphor called audience or sermon connoisseurs. Have you heard Stephen's latest? Have you heard this one's latest? Have you heard, at least say, have you heard Tim McGee at least once? <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I can't stand here myself anyway. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I got so sick of my own preaching? I, we had, back in the day, we had the CDs. I was going across the Crosstown Bridge, and I was listening to myself, being full of myself. And I took that thing out and took it like a Frisbee and went, boom, right off the Crosstown Bridge. <laughs> it probably hit Roy Rogers. <laughs> boom! I'm telling you I did. I'm so, ew, how can anybody listen to you? <laughs> People say, man, that was good. I was like, how could you possibly think so? Get up and do this stuff. The rags. I just scratched the surface. I didn't even come close. I didn't even come close. And we're, and we're supposed to be done Millennials are only, the, the experts say after 35 minutes, everybody checks out. I'm just starting. I preached a few weeks ago at Fields of Faith and we had like 50 kids come to the altar at the end. 
And, and it was good. And I said, how much time do I get? I'd been running five miles out of AC and I had about a 40 minute message that was gonna blow the whole world up. And I, and I wrote and I said, how much do I They said 10, 15 minutes at the most. I went, I can't even, I can't get my brain to work in 10 or 15 minutes. I'm just gonna say, Jesus loves you. Come on up. Dear Lord above. To get the rags, at least the part. Three, listen, here's how I preach. If, if this is the only time you get it, you're not going to get it. And I say that with all respect to everybody's intelligence. You're all smarter than I am. Not really, but... It just sounded good. It sounded loving. <laughs> uh, uh, look, I got a big truckload of the best oak locust wood that get your house cozy and piping hot through the through the frost in the winter but you know what i'm not going to stack it for you i'm going to dump it right at your feet now you go home with this and you ask god why am i in loh why is this guy preach way too long why is he what's that for why am i say, what's this mean to me Why, with us being like that, with us living like that, what, how did we get here? And I don't just mean our church. How did we get in the kingdom? You know how? You know how? Because of God. Because of the kind of God. Because of the kind of God, God is because of who he is. Why the reach through all the ages? Why the unlimited patience with all of us? What, when, when I think about the, 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 when I think that this new generation of generals, that I, that I not new generation, oh geez, fourth quarter maybe, if I'm lucky, third quarter hopefully, uh, if I'm, this, okay, you got, Peter, James, John, Paul, and you get in there, you got, you got, uh, you got, uh, you got uh, these guys, uh, Papias and these guys, and then you got the middle-aged guys, and you got Tyndale being burned for just translating the scriptures into English, and you got me, frisbee thrower me, then you got me, you got me, you got me. But all through the ages, he works through the weaknesses and the foolishness of preachers and the foolishness of preaching. And all he has to work with in a lot of places, 20% do the 80%, give the 20%, give the 80%, 20% serve the 80%, all that. It's, it's denominational across the line. That's the stats. That's the real facts. That's the stats. That's the real fact. Even if your pastor is the holy man that walks elevated above the floor and turns water into wine and every one of our communion times are a rock show. In spite of all that across the globe, pretty much in the Western world, 20 do the 80 and 80, let the 20 do the 80. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. And the, look what the Lord does around the world with the few in light of the whole in light of the mature level of us hitting the metaphors. Look what he does, but I just say this. 
And this is what Paul, why Paul gives all that out and then goes, I get on my knees before God and I say, God, turn the light on in the minds and the souls of the Hagias. Turn the light on in those who have the deposit of the Spirit already inside so they can see, know the hope to which they've been called, know the riches of the glory of this, and the power that's in them is exactly like the kind that went into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised your son from the dead, and they're the expression of the living Christ on the earth. Please, God, I get on my knees and ask you, why? Because millions and millions of people are living in the rags. And there are many, many brothers and sisters in need of people to be Jesus to them. Here's the sweet spot. But God, who is rich in mercy, Guys, don't worry. I'm going, to, I'm going to land the plane here in about five minutes on this. He's rich in mercy. And because of, I love this. We all know this up here. We all know this. But Paul's like, I don't want you just to know it. I want you to experience. Ephesians 3 prayer is, I want the spirit of God to empower you so you can experience what you know. The love of Christ that goes past your ability to know that you might be filled to all the fullness of God. This message and this series is about the only star of the show, it's God. The book that we study is not a book about David, it's not a book about Samuel, it's not a book about Joseph, it's not a book about Daniel, it's about the God of. It's about the God of, and this God is rich in something called mercy. And if you do a deep study into the Old Testament, the word mercy comes from, it is the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It's, it's other than the name Yahweh, it's the most sacred thematic that's thread from the garden all the way to the last breath of Malachi, who is saying someone's coming over the horizon who's gonna be like Elijah, bringing everybody back and prepared. It's the word hesed. It's where we get the word mercy from, but our view of mercy is God just being forgiving to us when we messed up. But this word is, it was, the, was the brilliance in the light that melted Saul of Tarsus' heart to become like Christ's heart. It, it's a word that's, that, that, that was the word that, that David and Jonathan appealed to about covenanting one another. They'd had each other's back. It's that word. It's the word that David appealed to when he knew he was caught in the act of adultery and murder. He said, according to your hesed, it's this word. This is the word. It's, this is the word that David knew and God promised through Isaiah that anyone of any nation, if they turned to Yahweh, would give them, listen, the very sure mercies of David. This word. This word is the word that John the Baptist's daddy rejoiced in when he said, because of your mercy, 
the, the light is going to come up over and shine on those who live in darkness and lead us into the pathway of peace. That's this word. This word, and Paul is saying, Paul is saying, I'm the least of all saints. He says that just up the road in the third chapter of Ephesians. He said, but by the grace of God, I am who I am, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Don't feel sorry for me being in prison. It's for your benefit because I'm flooded with this mercy of God. And I'm here to tell you that every person that lives in the world that you've been sent, you've been sent like Jesus, you are to be an expression of the body of Christ, the people that are being fed by the master, the people who are representing the real temple of God, not of stone, but an expression that mobilizes all through Ephesus, filled with the spirit of God. You're the people who are fighting this demonic prince that is calling darkness light and mesmerizing people so they can't hear what you know. You are called to fight that. You are called to be that. There is nowhere else or no one else that can be it. But you, only you, there is no other. There is no other. You gotta let somebody know. You've gotta go back over the pit and remember who you were and who he is. And he met you. Loyalty, kindness, Kinship. The reason why Jesus became a human being was based on this word hesed. God kinned himself. God took on our humanity, our blood, blood to blood, in the sacred bond of this word that he promised. He, would, he promised Abraham and David and all the people of Israel. He would come, he would take on himself all of the sins of the world and feel us and be us and taste by his grace what he didn't want us to taste. Death for every man. Death. He kinned in his blood. It behooved Christ. That means it moved him with deep passion to please his father who he was in kinship with and please us. He said he wasn't ashamed to call us his brothers. What? This is the gospel. This is what we owe the world. We owe them this. This is why God asks you in a church for everything you are and everything you have. There is no second other kind. This is why he appeals to you and doesn't blink his eyes. In view of the mercies of God, offer your whole life as a sacrifice to God. Not just your money, your whole life. That, in his eyes, is hagios. From death to life, instead of life to death in the world. I have so much more to say, but I don't have time. Let me just add this. Let's go to the Ephesians 2, 7 one real quick. And this takes it back to me and you. He did all that and you know it. He's given you the grace to receive it and believe it, to receive the Holy Spirit. And by faith, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But here's why. We, are we there? Thank you. We're going to close with this, guys. My clock, my watch stopped. 
anyway. For, for, here's why. For, this is the, we're going to, listen, I'm going to go back to Ephesians 1, 1. And we're going to tear into it. But I wanted to give you the 30,000 foot level today. And I didn't even get it all. For we are his, by his own hands, workmanship. The word in the Greek can mean poem. It can mean masterpiece. We, we, not me, we, are his poem. A living letter. We are his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus. We've been, we've been, we've been merged in Christ in me, Christ in you, Christ in all of us to do good works. Not work good, not work for good, not work to be, to earn love. We've, we have all that. God, before we were born, I love this, prepared beforehand every day. Here's what I believe. Psalm 139. Every day of my life, it says, was, was written in your book. And I, I'm sure it means he, he knows what day of the week I'm going to probably go to Walmart. Or probably not. Uh, he knows when I'm going to this, that. I don't think it means that as much as it means there are these moments that you're going to make or you're going to miss. There are, like, look at me. There are God moments that we're missing. Hmm? We know that's the case because at the end of days when the shepherd calls all the sheep, some of them are going to say, what are they going to say? When did we see? Is that right? It's in the red part. When did we see? And then others are going to go, I didn't know I was doing that to you. Let's, let's take the Bible and put it in real. This is really going to happen. And you're going to be standing there. I'm going to be standing there. And, and he's going to say, when you did that to, you did that to me. Oh yeah, that's really gonna happen. Just like these metaphors, he is really measuring our maturity based on them right now. Even if the pastor isn't, even if the board isn't, even if your friend isn't, even if your life group isn't, God is. And when you and I die, oh, we will, by the way, go home and look at the newspaper today. You know what? There's never been a day, and I don't get the, when I open it, I go, oh, by golly, nobody died. Nobody. How much you want to bet if you open the Sunday Times, you're going to see a couple names in there. And you might be surprised to see some of them are under 80. Some might be 25, 35. 
you know what I want to do with my life? God, help me. And I'm such a knucklehead. I own knuckleheadism. I own it. Please, help me to make full proof of my life and not make myself a fool. Please, God, help me. Help me to pastor this church out of busyness into walking in the blessing of being ordained by God, knowing who I am, knowing who we are, bathed in the riches and paying it forward, listening as a sheep, being fed the word of God so that I'm growing up into the framehood of what you have ordained for every person, every person, every person. Do you want that? Now that was a good sermon, sorta. And I don't know if it's Frisbee worthy or not. But I have to get my life before the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and we do too. And listen. Listen. You know, if I'm busy focusing on the metaphors and my benchmark, my own, I don't have time to be measuring other people's. I don't have time to be measuring church leaders. I don't have time to be measuring preachers. You don't have time to be measuring me. You don't have time to be measuring what we should be doing. You and I should get on our knees before God and say, servanthood and me, body, house, family, bride, army, in view of your mercy, of your mercy and knowing that the days are evil I want to wake from my sleep rise from the dead and let you shine on me Lord Heavenly Father I pray in Jesus name I pray in Jesus name do you know have you ever have, with your heads bowed have you ever heard Bill Belichick, the, the, the coach of the Patriots, give an interview with uh, news, sports news reporters? He, <laughs> he's not very nice. And I think I get it. Not that he shouldn't be nicer. But the man has how many Super Bowl rings? And there's some guy that played peewee football when he was nine, sitting out there, writing stuff in the stuff about him and asking him some dumb question. What God wants me to be an expert at is my own walk. my own walk. 
And I just want all of us to be deeply inspired and illuminated and come up out of the rags and really, really get before God, not just now, not now, but more importantly than now, that this thing gets so down deep inside of you, not because of who delivered it, but because of who delivered it to the person that delivered it. I think the Lord did. And that we would really get before God and say, Lord, I'm not looking to the right, not looking to the left, not looking over to the next church, I'm not evaluating that. I'm just saying, Lord, here I am. Rags to riches. Rags to riches. Heavenly Father, we just give this rest of this time to you. Would everybody stand, please? I just want to say one thing and then we're just going to open up for work time to just process this for a minute. I just feel like I heard the Lord say, say, say this, tell him one more thing. I really love them and I really want them to love one another. He wants us to really love one another. Lord, release that anointing right now in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.